Welcome to another quarantine edition of Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Mike Monsour. I'm joined as always by my still remote, still wonderful co-host, Alexander Volts. Say hello. Hello. I got a better setup this time, so. And today we are talking about... Nick Drake. Nicholas Drake. Nicholas Drake. Oh, boy. Okay, so before we jump into anything, I'm going to not forget, I'm going to do plugs on like the last like three episodes. <laughs> if you like us, Get those plugs. Yes. Please share, subscribe. Fucking, I don't know, tell a friend. It would help a lot. Please tell a friend. For the love of God, please tell a friend. Uh, you know, iTunes, or not iTunes, Apple Music. No, we're not Apple Music. Fucking Apple Podcast. Jesus Christ. You know what? This, this quarantine has clearly... <laughs> Uh, Off to a great start already. Oh, I hate my life. Uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube, all the things, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, if you uh, want to check out more of Nick Drake, we have uh, put together a playlist that you can find in the description of wherever you're listening and watching, as well as everyalbumever.com. We got playlists associated with every single episode. So please uh, listen to those if you want. Whatever. Let's. Okay. I got quarantine on the brain. All right. We're still, we're yes. still doing this re- remotely over Skype. Uh, I've eaten so many peanut butter sandwiches, dude. I don't, I don't know how much more I can fucking take. <laughs> oh man, if you need a, a drop off of some canned goods, I, I I might. How has it been for you? Yeah, uh, this riddled with anxiety. <laughs> really, really? Oh, what was it? Is it the, the imminent doom? Is that what it is? It's a lot of things. Oh God, it's. Uh, I mean, it could be worse. I don't go out much anyway. You know, I've, I've, that's one of the most fucking overplayed, not overplayed, but the most annoying overused jokes I've heard throughout this entire pandemic thing is like, hey, look, so nothing's changed because I didn't go out anyway. <laughs> and like, ugh, I get it. We're all introverts. All right. Uh, it's uh, it's a little different when it's uh, against your, yeah. your free will, too. Yeah, it makes me want to socialize just because I can't. So it's the oh douchebag. Whoever whoever throws the first party after this, I'm getting I'm getting drunk. Oh yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I've been getting drunk a lot and, more than I usually do because I have nothing else. Uh, I don't even like getting drunk, but I just been <laughs> dude. My whole entire I rarely huh? I rare I rarely once in a blue moon do it. Uh-huh. Or once in a pink moon a, do uh, I do it. And uh that is a Nick Drake <laughs> reference. Uh yeah, but I mean it's not so bad like of course i'm starting to get into the the hypochondriac mindset of like any little tickle I'm like all right i'm infected i'm gonna kill my mom that's just what's gonna happen now uh but i'm pretty sure i'm fine it's just i don't know uh, yeah i'm on the verge of uh learning how to execute a perfect uh sweet shin music super kick anyone that coughs is, oh, is eating super kick. eating a super kick <laughs> They don't even get the the stomp buildup warning. They just get the streak. No, just boom. <laughs> oh man! But uh, so the last episode we did was Beastie Boys, and uh, we decided to kind of streamline. This is for listeners and viewers. And, like I'm looking at this by looking at the camera. I'm also looking at Alex, so it's hard to tell who <laughs> I'm talking to. But we're streamlining this. We recorded that episode like a few days ago so we're doing this one now and then we're gonna record the next week's episode within the next few days so we're like we're they're gonna be released at very different times in the world but all this shit is at the same exact time so we're more or less in the same boat for the next few episodes uh we're trapped and we're bored and we're so bored we're so bored and that's why we're doing so many of these but uh we crammed 
Nick Drake's three albums in these few days. And that was a little bit of light that I needed, I would say. That's interesting. It was was a delight hearing these albums. I feel like I'm going to be sad by the end of this episode, but it's not the point. We're not going to, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're here now. We're here now. And I'm happy now because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was really easy. These are three, only three albums really short albums and they're yeah, I don't know it's a breeze to get through and I, I'd never heard Nick Drake before this you have told me for a while to listen to him and uh, I have what better time than when we have nowhere to go yes so what's your uh, it can be very depressing but it's also it's beautiful like his music you could put on when you're sad you could put it on when you're in love and mm-hmm. it works uh, both ways hell yeah hell yeah when did you hear about him um so my introduction was because I'm big on the Volta, the Mars Volta, and they covered yeah. things behind the Sorry. sun. So, okay. And uh-huh. like I loved I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. And then I went and sought it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this album, it's on a uh, pink moon. I'm yeah. like, this is so like this is so crazy. And I'll save like my feelings for it when we get there. But uh that was kind of how I was introduced to him. And then um, I don't know how old everybody is, but uh, I think like his main introduction to the world was that uh, that Vol- Volkswagen commercial they used, they used Pink Moon and that this, again, I'll save it for for later A in Volkswagen the album, commercial? but that, that commercial was huge. Really? Like when, it was, was everywhere. That? I was like 99, 2000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was a, a foolish boy then. I, <laughs> I remember very little of my childhood, but go on. The, yeah. The like commercial was so big and so iconic that like when I put on that album for the first time, I was like fucking Volkswagen commercial. Oh, like mm-hmm. that, that's how I was with um with the cars. And I think it might have been like Best Buy or Circuit City. It might have been a Circuit City commercial back when that was a thing. Uh, oh just, yeah, just yeah. And that that song was always like associated with the cur- commercial, and I fucking hated it. And then I heard the whole song. I was like, "No, this is like the best song ever, and has the greatest solo ever." And I love that song. But it's yeah. how commercials can really bastardize a song. Getting your song in a commercial is a, a gift and a curse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure. So what should we know about Mr. Nick Drake before we jump into it? Uh so the. Dude is kind of like the folk version of Robert Johnson a little bit. He didn't like sell his soul to the devil or anything, Mm. but there's like no live footage of him. There's barely any photos of him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very short life, very short career. Um, Had a a somewhat like normal upbringing. It wasn't until... uh, you can't tell by the dude's music this guy struggled with depression and uh is that why i resonated so and uh because i'm a fucking that's probably why i resonated so well with it (laughs) yeah it didn't really hit him until he was an adult but um it's yeah like i thought finding information on him was gonna be hard but i guess because it's, it's so legendary that there's a lot of information on him mm-hmm. and uh there's one uh documentary on youtube called 
a skin too few. Mm-hmm. And they they play his mom's music that she like wrote and recorded. Interesting. And when they play her song, you're like, dude, like I can imagine him playing this. Like she was a big, big influence on him. Interesting. That's fascinating. But uh yeah. Also, something to uh, think of when we went through this or going through this, all three of his albums, like initially 4,000 albums sold. Wait, is it combined? Combined. Oh, so he. His career was, not was nothing. Was yeah. Nothing. I hate that, dude. That bothers me so fucking much. It's like the most unfair thing. It's, I mean, I don't know. It's like the most common thing ever with you know, our, our artists and or painters and, and poets and stuff, um, mm-hmm. which is weird. Probably because we hate them so much in life. Like, I hate poets. I hate them all. I hope they all die. <laughs> After they die, I probably will like them. That's, that's, that's the... That's yeah. the with musicians, it feels so much more unfair, though, because it, so much of it is seeing them perform. Like, you don't want to watch a painter fucking paint. That's like the worst. You I would kill myself. But... Well, I know, I know part of it was, like, the music he was playing, it's like... Uh, Oh, I can't go and play this in the bars. He had to like play at very specific things because mm-hmm. if he goes in a bar, no one's gonna shut up. Oh yeah, no, they'll just and, start hitting him with pool cues too. Yeah, and he his uh depression and anxiety, this like man, very, very few live shows, like some of them were a mess and he just did not he did not like doing them. He so he didn't even like performing. No, oh not God. in public, at least. That's ins- that's mind blowing to me, and I like I respect that so much because yeah, the thing was that as uh, as a music writer and player and all that bullshit, uh, people often they treat performing and, and making music as the same thing when they're fucking definitely not. The process of writing is a very very different thing. It's like the mm-hmm. antithesis of performing. Performing is, you know, look at me. I'm going to do this and here's some energy and I'm going to play you, perform for you my thing. Whereas writing is like being alone by yourself for hours and hours and hours and piecing things together. And like, it's the most lonely thing. It's like the, the, the complete opposite performing. So it makes perfect sense to me that he hated performing, even though it's like such an uncommon thing, oddly enough. Yeah. And uh, another thing that didn't help his career was uh, hated, hated doing interviews would not do like PR. There's very few interviews with him, too. So the uh, the myth of this guy is also, I think, what uh, what draws people in. And uh, he probably started that trend of like these obscure artists like uh, like Rodriguez or um, sorry. Keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Or, or they're not like as popular, but like, I like these dudes, Donnie and Joe Emerson. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, this is trend of like these obscure Actually, artists. He no. probably, probably not him personally, but like his music probably like started like record companies, like shit. There's, we can find some, some gems that haven't been mined yet. One that specifically comes to mind that, that fits that bill perfectly is Sybil Bear. Do you, do you know her? I I haven't heard of her. I, I gotta f- find the spelling of her name because it's like, um, it's it's foreign. <laughs> um, uh, there we go. It's S I B Y L L E B A I E R. Uh, she's German. Sybil Bear. 
And she released, she didn't release it. She recorded one album or one album's worth of songs in like her basement by herself, just her and acoustic guitar. And it was like on tape and it was never, never, ever released or no one had ever heard it. Somehow, of course, it, it gets spread, you know, in the underground by people. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it was Gene Maskis from Dinosaur Jr. who found it. I'm going to double check that, but I think it was him who found it, uh, fucking lost his mind over it. Yeah, it was Jay Maskis. Um, and uh, he he gave it to like a, a record label and then they released it. And it's like now one of those legendary, it's another folk album. You know, it's very similar yeah. to Nick Drake. It's fantastic. It's um, called Color, Color Green. Um, it was recorded in like 1970, 1973. Uh, and very folksy, very minimal. It's very similar to uh, Pink Moon. But mm-hmm. it's uh, haunting and fucking awesome. So everyone listen to or look for that one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to look for that. Um, one of the articles I was reading about him by the Atlantic also pointed out like this was like prime, like Elton John, Freddie Mercury, David Bowie. Like, yeah, showman, showman era. Yeah. If you're struggling with depression, that is not, you know, the hit the error he he was alive in was not not kind to him yeah no kidding that's fucking depressing because like i respect those guys for the most part. i mean i don't care i, I really don't like Elton john but you know, I, I i appreciate their their fucking place but goddamn that's not for me to, for the most part <laughs> this guy and his horrible sadness is definitely for me <laughs> even though I'm not, yeah. i don't really like folk but i don't know his writing is fucking, he's yeah no, he's different. Like, yeah, I don't like folk music, but he's he's so creative and like his choices in singing and not even chords, but like guitar guitars, yeah. like the way they complement each other. Yeah, his uh, his playing it's it's not uncommon with folky stuff. Like you hear you know a lot of finger plucking, Bob Dylan esque sort of sort of stuff but um more emphasis on the actual writing and uh a lot of polyphonic stuff a lot of like you know one the the root the lower notes are playing one thing while the higher notes are playing another thing. uh we'll get into it more and we'll put on examples it's, yeah. it's, it's fun stuff so three albums like we said first one was in 19 released in 1969 the last one was in 1972 uh very brief very very brief and uh, let's start. This is the first album. This was not like we just said, 1969. This is Five Leaves Left. That is not the song. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Time told me you're right already very very nice everyone's just having a moment right now yeah, soaking it in fucking hope so Love this song. <laughs> it's a great song. It's so good. 
these ways that are making me be what I really don't want to be. Yeah, it was this, this song that I was already like, oh, this guy's Leave really already. Yeah. goddamn good too goddamn good yeah that is uh, a great song great uh introduction to him and uh yeah not really like a lot of main courses mm-hmm. the the way the uh like you're talking about the counter melodies yeah. this make it seem like more like sad yeah than if it was just one guitar this is a uh- I believe best album and my personal favorite. Oh wow! I, I, this one <laughs> blew my fucking mind. Like it blew my mind immediately. And the the writing the writing is un fucking believable. Like it's been a while since I've heard writing this. Just it's it's okay. It seems simple. The presentation is simple. So it's just mostly acoustic guitar, uh, acoustic bass, and string sections. Uh, yep. Very simple, very easy to, to to digest. The presentation is so simple that it kind of tricks you into to, into digesting these like incredibly complex song structures and melodies. Really interesting. Like every song seems to jump around between major and minor key stuff. So like it constantly feels fresh, even though everything is presented pretty much exactly the same. Um, it. Man, every song is just a new, a new exciting journey. It's fucking god. It was a really horrible sentence. I hate myself for saying something <laughs> awful. But goddamn, this oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, and then the song after that, "River Man," Fuck is yeah. uh, darker, little moodier, really? and I feel like that's uh, more like like who he is. Like this album is. Uh, an album of compromises between him and the producer who he worked on really with every album where the producer was like, this studio is an instrument and we should use it to our advantage where Drake was always like, no less, less is more. I don't, Uh that's interesting. I don't. So this is kind of like uh, a compromise album between him and the producer but it's a great, great result. I think so. I think it's wonderful. Like uh, you meant, you just referenced Riverman. The strings in that song, fucking. Oh, I still get chills. It, it gives me fucking chills. It's so fucking well done. And they're not, they're not because uh, a lot of the, a lot of times artists would use string sections in this era, you know, late sixties, early seventies. It would always be like the the, per, the first example that comes to mind is ELO. Or they're really big and drawn out, and they're really orchestral, and you, it's like the stuff you would hear in like a movie. Uh, here, there's less of them. It's way more intimate. There's um, like you hear the scraping of the bow against the strings, and that mm-hmm. somehow, man, that that it makes it feel way more real. It doesn't feel like a, like an orchestra, but it feels like a few players, and it still holds that that sort of folky, folksy, small setup that I'm pretty sure he was more fond of so so, yeah. so strings like that they're my absolute favorite absolute favorite of all strings <laughs> all his albums are are very good at making it that it like it 
feels like he's in the room with you mm. the way it's recorded. Yeah. Um, the song that screws me up is uh, Way to Be Blue. Oh. Break out the tissue for that song. That song will. Speaking of string sections, it's like the whole thing is strings, essentially. I mean, there's a company. Yeah. But it's the, the main front and center are these fucking heart wrenching strings. Uh, absolutely mind blowing. It's fucking mind blowing. I love it so much. <laughs> so much. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, while we're on strings, Kello's song is so good. Like it would fit in like a Western or something yeah. like, like everyone, uh, on this album, I don't know her names, but, uh, man, it, this, a great album. And it's like such a, what you're like, how is this like a failure? It's so crazy. It's no sense to me. It's like it, it, when I was listening to it for the first time, it was almost like really disheartening because like I, I listened to music made more, you know, recent years and it's like, yeah, no, this is everyone. Anybody can think of this shit. You know, it, it kind of makes you feel like everything's been done. And then you hear this shit from fucking 50 years ago and it's like, Oh, this is stuff I never even would have thought of. And it happened so long ago. Like people just aren't creative. <laughs> that's just, that's just like the end of it. Like, cause it doesn't matter when you what era you're from. You can still do things that are completely unexpected. Yeah, his his brain is so fascinating. And like I said, like I don't know what his mom was inspired by, but for her to because it's so so similar. Like like if he he if she wasn't into music, he probably would sound completely different. Mm, or that big of an influence. Yeah, I really want to hear hear her now. Yeah, I'll send you the link. Very cool, very because cool. uh, it's crazy. It's really? crazy how similar they are. Uh, the final minutes of three hours, such an amazing, unexpected turn. Oh, it's so. Oh, that made me so happy. It made me so goddamn happy. Very few times are you like the playing is intense, but yeah, the end of that song around the three. Yeah, the three ten mark. You're like, man, that's as like close to shredding as you're gonna get on a full album. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to put on like any part of that because it really is like the what makes it so good is how it, it gives you that it, it introduces, the build up. It introduces you to a whole thing and it plays off that for a while, then bam, it goes into this fucking crazy thing, and oh, it's just it's so moving, it's so goddamn moving. <laughs> fucking love this shit. That's. It's kind of funny how we had uh, attachments to the uh, the same songs on this album. It's just, they're, how do you not like this? How does anyone not like this? It's so fucking good. <laughs> Time has told me, I mean, that, that song, like, I don't know, like, that's that's a fan maker, man. That song made me a fan immediately. Uh, Opening song. That's the other, that's other thing is a, a fan of heavy or aggressive music. Like, man, this is something you could throw on in front of anyone. Mm-hmm. I do, and, I, you know. What, honestly, I do think that there's a, there's a lot of people that would uh, end their friendship with you if you put this on in front of them. <clears throat> oh well, some I'm sure some people think it's boring, but you get what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, no one, no one's gonna find it like offensive. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, it's not the same as. Yeah, you're not gonna put on anal cunt and then. <laughs> make exactly. Yeah, this is a uh, far easier, especially on your parents, but uh, also. Uh, 
final track, Saturday Sun, they bring in an actual drum set, which has been, uh, there's no drums on here. There's some bongos every now and then, but that mm-hmm. song they bring in uh, is an actual drummer. Wonderful album closer. I want this song at my fucking wedding. If I ever get married, this song <laughs> is for sure. Oh, there's, huh? there's going to, same here. There's going to be some, some Nick Drake songs yes. in the unlikely event that happens. <laughs> have some hope. Have some hope. Have more hope than he did, please. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like the whole way through it, It's super gentle, super accessible, but it's also very powerful You know, moving. Like we were saying, uh, writing is in a league of its own. It's just fuck. And again, it's another horrible cliche phrase and I hate myself for saying it, but good Lord, man. Like it's just, so much better and this is another thing like folk would be one of those genres where i would say i hate uh because very so much so little of it has ever appealed to me but this is is amazing so you can't say you i i think he's one of those dudes who like i don't think he sat down and said i wanted to play folk music i think he like sat down and this is what came out hell yes and that's exactly how all music writing should go um, yeah. In my opinion, of course. Hey, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're going in trying to write, trying to sound like someone else, you've already failed as a as a creative person because you're not creating. You're you're mimicking. Uh, this this album was inspired by a uh, Leonard Cohen album called Songs of Leonard Cohen. So I never listened to more than a few songs by Leonard Cohen because I hate his fucking voice. Uh, <laughs> really? I mean, he's an awful singer. I mean, objectively. <laughs> Holy well, shit. He's a horrible singer. A great writer. I, I Obviously, he's a brilliant writer. Or was a brilliant writer. Uh, and he has great songs. But objectively, his voice is like a worse Lou Reed. Like, I don't know how anybody can debate that. <laughs> I'm going to get fucking That's shot. a different po- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you are, not me. Uh, yeah, that's a different podcast. Yeah, a, a lengthy one. He has a giant discography, right? I'm assuming. I think he does. I think he does. That's, that would be a good one, though. That's good. Anyway, Fantastic from Start to Finish is my favorite. This is, I mean, I guess all three of these, you can kind of take your pick. But this one is where the writing completely, like, no, it's unmatched. It's so, it's so uh, diverse, like, I guess, like I was saying, my, one of my favorite things, or maybe even my number one favorite thing in all music is when a song can take you through multiple, multiple places. Um, it changes moods. It makes you can feel happy and scared and sad all within one song. I don't like songs that typically just go through the same mode throughout, throughout the whole thing. And this album, mm-hmm. every song is like that where it just fucking keeps you guessing. So it's so wonderful. Um, I feel like that more so than the other of his two albums, but <clears throat> anyway, let us move on. Second one, 1971. Shit. No, hold on. I didn't pull it up. God damn it. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at pulling up songs. <laughs> oh yeah. It's not my, can't wait till things are back to normal. I know. All right, here we go. 1971 brighter later. Nope. That's not the song. There we go. Now, not what I was expecting Not initially. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, this is fucking, what is Credence? <laughs> he's still got that, like, unique choice in how he's... He's singing. Yeah, the phrasing is very unusual. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a very weird choice. I really like that. 
because it's a it's a straight ass you know four four rocking and, all the friends that and then you this this vocal line to like came from fucking mid middle earth that was a really nerdy reference <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a bard is what i'm trying to say he's a bard yeah he is a bard when the world gets so crowded that you can't look out the window in the morning Obviously, we're we're stellar. Worst. I can't believe we agree. I thought we were gonna I, totally disagree. This album kind of feels like an outlier in his music, uh-huh. and uh, it it was due to the fact that the last one sold so poorly mm. that he was just like, okay, I'll listen to the producer now. We'll we'll do it your way. So yeah. and see if that turns into sales, which it did not. I bet it did not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything is, there's a full band on everything. Now they got fucking saxes on there. They got a whole horn, horn section. Uh, you know, who else is on this album? Who don't say it. Mr. Mr. John Cale. I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I hate him. I hate that guy so much. I love it. No wonder I hate it. No, I don't hate this album at all, but it is weaker. The thing is, it's not even that it's not even noticeably weaker like i was kind of jumping back and forth this is just the only one that has song like more than one song i don't like and that is for damn sure fly and northern sky fucking i don't like those songs that's funny that's two of the three that john kale were on i like northern sky <laughs> i didn't know i swear i did not know that no i, I know you don't that is how much I don't like him. That I just, I just know. I just feel it. You felt it in your bones. Everything he's on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I will say though, uh, we skip, we skipped it because it's just an introduction. But introduction, the first track, is mind blowing. It is fucking wonderful. Those strings are just as good as as they were on the first album, if not a little bit more so. But then you know, then you know that Credence ass song, fucking Hazy Jane two. Which is cool, but it's like, whoa, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, that's no, it doesn't feel right. And it's like as upbeat as you're going to get for for Nick Drake is that song right there. There's a lot of like really, really pleasant, pretty, happy sounding things. And it, it doesn't work for me. Um, One of the ones that people love off this one is uh, at the chimes of the city clock. It's a good oh. song. Would you not like it? I want to like. I want to like it, but the sax just. Dude, okay, I the, actually the know- sax ruins it for me. Are you serious? I noted that the sax actually works real well in that. All right, we're putting really it on. We're putting it on. Uh, yeah, I'll, put I'll it on. Timestamp though, but here we go. It's really hard to make saxes work within a, a rock song or a folk song or whatever. It's this. It's a weird instrument in general, I think. Yeah, it's super sexual. It's <laughs> like it's it's great right now, but very cool, very cool. It's not mind blowing though. It's just pretty like regular ass song, regular ass songwriting. Yeah, this is more like traditional folk that was going on at the time, but yeah, his voice is so. It's so haunting and beautiful. Mm. 
Where are those saxes, goddamn? I think they come in way later. Probably. How long is this song? Ah, this is like a fucking five-minute song. Goddamn. Yeah, yeah. It's still a good song. Uh, I still think it's pretty bad. There, nope. So it's just strings. Okay, those work really well. Those we are know, strings. Yeah, we know strings work. Yeah. We don't need to, there's no argument there. Um, one thing about his voice, I, I do feel it's like it works super well for this. It would not work well with any other type of music. Um, he's got a, it's like a really, really gentle, um, soft voice. He doesn't have a lot of range. He has a, like, he doesn't have a lot of range both in amount of notes and in style. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it only works for this kind of thing, which is fine. It, it, I mean, it's perfect for what he did when he was alive. Um, but I could definitely see how it would, it would piss me off after a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One of, one of my favorite albums of all time is Nirvana's Unplugged. Really? And a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the way it's recorded and the intimacy and like, uh, Cobain's voice, like I just, I love everything about it, and like, so I always like had a fondness for that album. And then uh, I probably should have said this earlier, but whatever. We're talking about his voice, and like hearing Nick Drake, I'm like, man, this dude, like, that's the vibe, like mm-hmm. that he encompasses is that that album of this haunting, beautiful intimacy mm-hmm. it's very close it's very and that's interesting and i didn't uh i haven't listened to that everyone unplugged album in so long because just the radio made me fucking hate it uh, sure but it's it's one of the few live albums i like too so yeah it's different enough to kind of stand apart from just a regular live album also i don't know how many of those MTV unplugged live albums you've listened to, but that is yeah by far the best. <laughs> it's the exception. Yeah, like most unplugs are like there's Kiss unplugged. Why? Like oh, God, damn, I want to hear that. Corn unplugged. Ooh, we talked about. I mean, there, there's our obligatory <laughs> once per episode corn reference. Oh Jesus! Um, even like the Alice in Chains one too. I thought it was fucking really weak. Um, oh really? It's like just whack versions of of good songs. Um, but yeah, uh, that has nothing to do with this, but who gives a shit? That was good. Um, getting back to this, yeah. I do like hazy Jane one, which is confusing because it comes after hazy Jane two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't remember it now. I'm going to pop that motherfucker on. God damn it. I can't move my phone. Well, you're looking for it. I feel like that's like, to me, like his voice and his guitar playing is like the focus it's why why i'm here or like why i'm listening to him right and on that song i feel like the instruments are supporting him instead of the rest of the album where i feel like he doesn't get lost but he's not it's more even playing field i guess with all the instruments he's doing a lot more supporting a lot more chords a lot more uh other instruments are going to take the center center stage. Here is Hazy Jane one. Fuck, that's cool. <laughs> this is not a tribute. <laughs> is that Tenacious D? Yeah. <laughs> I just have a kind of caravan from Sabbath. See, we all have our things that we go to. <laughs> yeah, that we think of. 
those chickens are very much supporting the guitar. Do you guess where you come from? Yeah, like this this to me is more like Yeah. Fits him. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Even like the the drumming on there is like a little bit more minimal. Yep. Yeah, not a full ass drum set with there's no backbeat kind of thing. Um, I swear I fucking had a thing I was gonna say, but I lost it. Good god damn it. Um Well while you're thinking about that, uh, uh Poor Boy is kind of like when I think of like coffee shop music, like songs you could play at a uh-huh. at a Starbucks or something, like that song fits in perfectly i don't know how to like it's kind of like loungy a mm-hmm. little bit like bossa nova and then there's like uh there's like some uh female vocals on that track too that actually and even though i'm not a fan of it they don't like overwhelm it it works with the album that's right yeah uh yeah they don't come out of nowhere it, i mean the whole thing is sort of feels it doesn't feel wrong. It just feels weaker. Um, yeah. Like the, the writing overall, like there's, there's a lot of, like I was saying before, just one song has one thing the whole way through. And the, I mean like fly is just all happy, pretty shit. And I fucking hate it. Like that's how I feel about the title track. Like there's too oh, many yeah. flutes on the title track. Yeah. There's a lot of flutes. A lot of, uh, that's another that's instrument. It, that's hard to pull off. And especially when it, Oh man, because it, it's like a cliche with folk. Throwing a little flute to make it even more infuriating, yep. make everyone hate you. Way, dude, who doesn't hate a flute player or flautist? <laughs> I hate them all. That's uh, not true. I don't hate them. But, but yeah, that's on the title tracks instrumental. Also, closing track Sunday is another instrumental. I actually like the flute on that one. I don't think it's too bad. Okay, it's a decent song. Uh, but I don't know. Even like, I usually love way more instrumentation, but. The writing is just is like a, a huge drop off. Um, mm-hmm. Very predictable. Uh, still pretty, good arrangements, all that stuff. But yeah, it's not why I I, I feel he can do better. Yes, yeah. he can. Which is where we're we're at now. If you're ready to move on, we're we're speeding through this episode. I mean, it's only three albums. Um, it's not a whole lot of controversy. I think I think people generally like this dude. Is I mean now, maybe not so much. Yeah, when he was alive. So let's finally move on to the last one. It's been a hefty, hefty episode. <laughs> Has no, it's been like 40 minutes. Uh, this is 1972 Pink Moon. This was the uh, car commercial. This was like everyone's introduction to him. Mm-hmm. Everyone except me, apparently. <laughs> So I written on a so it say Pink Moon is on his way None of you stand so tall Pink Moon and I get you This album is It's so minimal that it makes the first album sound like the second album Yes. In terms of instrumentation. 
Yeah, we're, we're going to start crying if we listen to too much of that. <laughs> so I think, uh, I wonder how Alex feels about this one. It, yeah, this is my best favorite. It if if we come in short on this podcast, I feel like it'd be perfect because this is one of the few albums I think is perfect, like start to finish. It's it's 28 minutes of just great, great songwriting and songs. Heart wrenching beauty. And it's so minimal. Oh my it is it's just that, him. It's just him. Aside from that little bit of piano on that song. Like very very little piano, it's just him. And well, guitar. I think. Why well, I think even he played like the piano. Oh yeah, but I mean, like in terms of what you hear. It's, oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's just him and a guitar for the most part, and it's like the way it's recorded too is like it sounds like he was he was in a bedroom recorded with a fucking iPhone. Like that's the quality it is. It is there's no no post production effects. There's no kind of ambience. There's no reverb. There's no nothing. It's just a dude and a guitar. It's the most minimal thing ever. Well, at this point in his life, like, um, the album sold so poorly, like Island records, wasn't like expecting a third album. Mm -hmm. He just kind of showed up one day and he had it and they're like, okay, money to make too. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, Oh, they're they were raking in the money now. Um, oh, I bet. But is it, that label still around? At Island Records, I, I think so. They the might have been like, I, I think they like purchased Def Jam. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they, I mean, Island may have been consumed by a bigger label, but Island right. was like up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like his state of mind in this is this is like peak peak depression like the worst he's ever been depressed um is a different time he saw a psychiatrist was prescribed uh antidepressants uh but it's kind of embarrassing and humiliating at that time people didn't talk about mental health the way they did uh and then to make it worse he was like abusing weed i know that sounds like a ridiculous subject or sentence but especially i'm back a then believer weak as fuck huh? especially back then when the strains were weak as fuck yeah but i don't know i think it's a, a substance that alters your frame of mind sure i'm is. a believer that you can abuse it and he was definitely abusing it from what people said um and i'm sure that did not help his depression at all mm-hmm. um this is his one album though where the critics were like this is real good like the the few outlets that reviewed it were like this is this is something but it this didn't didn't get what it was due until decades later for 40 years later well Okay, what just for context, what what else was released in nineteen seventy two? Wasn't fucking fragile no fragile was nineteen seventy one from yes. Was it over the edge seventy two or seventy three? Or close to the Oh, I have no idea. Because But that goes back that goes back to like excess and like glam. Exactly. Like rock stars and bigger production, bigger things, way more uh so much for you to hear. Whereas this is so little for you. I mean, I, I guess in terms of quality and the writing is there, it's not the same thing, but I mean, production wise, it's so little, so small. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, was folk even like, because Bob Dylan at this point was already like a rock guy. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, like Dylan definitely had influence on people. Van Morrison, uh, Donovan, um, Leonard Cohen, uh, Jim Croakey. Folk was pretty, pretty big. Mm-hmm. But like it's just for whatever reason, this did not. Or uh, my favorite, Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> That's episode eight, where Alex <laughs> gets real mad, even though they're good. All right, they're good. God damn it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, go on, go on. Oh yeah, obviously the title track is killer. Then you get to like roads, and you're like, holy shit! Yeah, you're road, like, I think it's singular road. Um, a road, yeah. Oh, Just. Yeah floored at that point yeah that that's that yeah the writing of that song it's compared to the last album oh god the complexity is way way, no this way more this is even though he is uh in a a deep deep depression this is uh this is him like i think this was his his goal from the beginning but like i said kind of butting heads with the producer even though they were good friends and uh, that's part of why his depression worsened because the producer uh, moved to LA and that was like one of the few people he considered as a friend. Oh, it's fucking so sad. God damn it. Yeah. Like uh, I don't think, I don't think the dude ever had like a girlfriend either or like, Uh, well, you know, folk artist, he has that voice. You know, I wouldn't want to. Oh man. Just, I'm just. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Tell me, you blow I him. You this, blow that guy. Come on, be honest. I think. I think if this dude didn't have demons, the ladies would have been swooning. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you know, that's that's. He's like thing. over six feet two. Played rugby. Like, played rugby. come I mean, on. All right, you know, maybe, maybe I, I misspoke. Maybe I overstepped a, a few bounds. Although I did read things that said his appearance was really awful. Like, because when you're depressed, you don't want to shower or do any upkeep. So. I'm aware. Yeah. But yeah, he's been described as like one of the most awkward people ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe even had autism too. I mean, everything was undiagnosed in those days. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the dude, this for the most part like lived at his parents house and like did not have a glamorous life this this is upsetting because of how much it resonates with me god damn it (laughs) (laughs) hey dude uh and it's it's worse because i mean back then not only is there all i mean there's still stigma testament illness and you know less so with depression like these days depression is not that bad to talk about um Mm -hmm. back then it was you know, it was as bad as anything to talk about. Oh, any, any, any sign of mental illness, you were, you were unstable. You were crazy. Even therapy was considered crazy when therapy is just, yes, these days it's like, no, you, by going to therapy, you're already better or you're already better than most people. Um, but also another thing about the times, uh, antidepressants were not as good. Like even now they're still really fucking hard to get right. Like really hard to get right. I can't imagine well, the seventies how whack they were. He was on one I've tried, antitripoline. Mm-hmm. So has it gone through any changes? I'm I'm assuming it has to. Oh, I yeah, it's probably yeah. Because like even because there's a ton now, and like 
obviously not all work for all people and sometimes they make it way worse way worse um ever everybody is their own chemistry yep. experiment so terrifying so that coupled with all the other things wrong with this guy yes yeah getting back to the music yep. though uh the the thing that brought me to the party uh things behind the sun is man one of the greatest songs ever and then like the volta version of of course like cedric embellishes <laughs> fucking hate them not to that extent oh not it's to, always it's, to that extent god damn it <laughs> i'm gonna send that to you too um okay, I, I, it's probably gonna change and, my mind honestly <laughs> and like that volta version you're like man this is you know, all the, the cliche stuff I said about Nick Drake's music, it's like heartbreaking and beautiful. And then like the fact that they were still able to convey that and Cedric is a very different singer and yeah, like the Nick Drake version is like equally, of course it's the original. It's, this is awesome. So, uh, before that you got horn, is it horn? This, uh, that little like, instrumental yeah. little minute oh yeah it's great it's it, that's the one that sounds like super not gothic but like cathedral like almost um i'm putting it on because i'm losing my fucking words here we go yeah this is the one thing it's almost like a church hymn yeah, it's um, the heavy metal band Boris. They've like had an album where they like the cover is similar to um, Brighter Later. Uh-huh. And like this riff, I can imagine it being a Boris song. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, uh, it reminds me of... Um... <clears throat> Shit, I forgot what it's called. It's a Beefheart song, oddly enough. It was on um, Batching Puller, the unreleased album, and it was also it was also one. Of, I don't know. It was like a simple version of the song, but there's a version on Batching Puller, which was released in 2012, unreleased album. Um, solo guitar, really, and I think that's the one where Beefheart said because uh, John French played it on guitar, and he said it sounded too uh, too religious, mm. and that's what i liked about it because it was kind of creepy yeah it's still really pretty and very very lonesome sounding um i was especially after hearing the last album delighted to hear things behind the sun and parasite because of how fucking dark Par- they are. yeah they're so dark they're so oh just i feel that pain and it just makes me happy oddly enough really fuck that music makes me really happy <laughs> but yeah it's i don't know i don't I get what you're saying though, when it just like, like it strikes a nerve with you for whatever, whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And you can't really describe it. And this works. I mean, even though we're sitting here trying to describe it, but that initial X factor that gets you, I think is hard to describe. Um, I don't think he's like. I mean, he's clearly not reinventing anything. He's playing folk, but it's it's you really got to go in for the writing. Like I don't know. I keep stressing that. I keep saying that, but it's 
it's so unique and it, it's so damn interesting. Um, the, it, it, it holds up to say it holds up as an understatement. Like people these days can't write songs like, like this where it's just consistently interesting and, and inventive. And, but I do overall really miss the, the string sections. Like those got me good on that first album. Really? I really miss them. Um, but because this album is so short, uh, it, it's actually, it doesn't, well, first of all, it doesn't drag in any way because it's so short, but uh, because it's so short, you don't really miss anything too much. So it's it's actually like, if this was a longer album, I think I would like it a lot less because I'd be craving this those other elements a lot for, it would give me more time to crave the other elements more. But mm-hmm. it's, it's the opposite for me where like, I just want to put it on again really? when it when it ends. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> <laughs> another another standout free ride. Not uh, the not the slow ride. Take it in. Not that one, but uh or no free ride. This is free ride. Yeah, that one's slow ride. Real good. Uh free ride. I'm putting on a little bit of free ride. No, about music you can walk through middle earth too yeah this is a good ass one thing i keep forgetting to mention about his guitar uh i don't know if he's playing a, i don't know if he's playing a baritone guitar or if he's just tuned or if he's just down tuned but it, through all three albums he's been really it's got a really heavy low guitar sound clearly mm-hmm. it's it's tuned to certain Uh, yeah, like I was saying, that, that guitar tone, uh, it's always been really low. So even though it is folky and, you know, plucky and very light, it always had a sense of heaviness to it just because it's so low. Yes. Um, it's got to be in le- at least drop D, at least, because, it, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I use that tuning quite a bit and I fucking know it back in my hand. But uh, speaking of. Of his tuning, I read something that you would appreciate. He didn't talk the few shows he did play. He wouldn't talk at all. Uh-huh. And he would tune his guitar between songs and still would not say anything. He's just sitting there on stage. Oh, this tuning is... Sounds like, not like the least charismatic guy to watch on stage by far. <laughs> Not like, oh, hey, one second, let me, uh, or like get trying to crack jokes, Dude. just sitting there tuning his guitar, making people wait. And See, it's, it's, it's funny how antisocial he was as a person, but the music is so complex and mm-hmm. that is really funny. Like it's either a, a super baller move or like the most beta move ever to not say anything on stage it's you so confident that you don't need to say anything or you're so scared that you can't it's it, yeah i feel like he might have been in the latter category just just yeah <laughs> but uh one uh, one song that doesn't work for me on this one is is definitely no and k-n-o-w um it is the same riff the whole way through it's a very hard rock riff kind of makes you think, like was this meant to be more because <laughs> it's 
it's so minimal. Com- and by minimal, I don't mean like in the presentation, like the rest of the album. I mean, it's just the one riff. There's no mm-hmm. unexpected changes in the midway. There's no songwriting or uh, uh, what's the word? Arrangement complexity, like the rest of the songs. Um, I'm going to put on just a second of that. It is this, the entire song. Yeah. So vocals change. He does a lot of hums. He sings other stuff. But that guitar line is the same throughout the whole thing. That was the weakest for me in the whole album. It works for me just because his voice is so damn good. And like I said about his voice, I'm not a huge fan (laughs) of the voice. Therefore... Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still a decent song and it's still a good ass album. Uh, this, yeah, this is not hard to listen to. This is like perfect quarantine music. Like I'm sure he was for most of his life. <laughs> yeah. Like he, people said like he would just like show up at their house and not really say anything. He'd stay and then he'd just disappear. And man, the most and yeah. guy ever. Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, I think the weed definitely made his depression. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, some people think he was schizophrenic, too. So I think that this made it way worse for how much he was his smoking it. Yeah, I mean, now more more studies are coming out about uh, any kind of psychedelics. And that's they include THC in there as uh really fucking not helping mental illness and schizophrenia mm-hmm. or psychotic mental illnesses specifically in schizophrenia and there's even instances where you, you know could actually trigger some dormant illnesses which is fucking absolutely terrifying but it's it's not for everyone uh i i believe it or not this can be news to everyone uh because i haven't seen anybody in so long i smoked weed for the first time recently <laughs> in like in like 10 years Around ten years. Yeah, Mike. Oh yeah, you've changed. Dude, I'm a different man now. No, and I, I, I was like, you know, what? it's been ten years. I'm curious. Uh, last time I had it, I really fucking hated it. And like, I, I used to like it when I was young, and then it, it kind of. You probably have like, you probably have like dirt weed too. When I was younger, maybe. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it kind of, ch- my reaction progressed into like, not full blown paranoia, but very much uh, anxiety induced. Uh, Thoughts where every, everything they would say would be overanalyzed to death, and I would think everything was just an attack. That kind of—I mean, I guess that is paranoid. But uh, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's been ten years. I'm way better now as a human being than I was back then. I'm way more secure. I'm way more open to things. Fuck it. Why the hell not? And uh, it was exactly the same. It was exactly the same. Reaction was exactly the same. <laughs> and the only thing that, that that kept me grounded was all my experience meditating and acknowledging that every over overthought thing that I heard or every, every overanalyzed thought that I had, I was like, Oh, this is just my brain doing that. And this is just, this, this means nothing. And I had to do that every few seconds for an mm-hmm. entirety of the high. <laughs> so I think I'm good for me for a while, <laughs> for another 10 years, at least. Yeah. It's not for everyone. Yeah. Not for everyone. It's uh, not. And that's what bugs me is it's, uh, advocates of it very much want you to think it is for everyone. Yeah. And it's like, I know it's, it's not absolutely not. It's like, I get, I totally understand the the mentality of if something really works for you so well that you want 
to spread that and you want like no it is sure me so much i'm gonna but that is fucking not how brain chemistry works i i did some reading of this in college i understand how this is not for fucking everybody um the antithesis of a good experience like everything about it like i couldn't even feel any of the the high effects all i could feel was me thinking about everything like that is not mm-hmm. exactly a good time uh no i've been there yeah. been there yeah so we're just really not fun and we're gonna be <laughs> alone forever this is we're like the lamest dudes ever they're like they recorded a podcast about a sad guy who plays guitar and they talked about how lame weed was. What a it's bunch of lame. losers. It, it's awesome for people that enjoy it. It is awesome for a lot of people. It's actually a bummer that I can't enjoy it or that we can't enjoy it. Um, I wish I could enjoy it, but. Yeah. Going back to what I said about the antidepressants, everybody is a different chemistry uh, experiment. So just because you had one reaction doesn't mean yeah, exactly. someone else. Uh, yeah. Getting back to him, he OD'd in November 1974. And then, yeah, it was on the antitryptyline that he was prescribed. Really? You OD'd on that? Huh? He OD'd on that? Yeah, that's what he OD'd on. And, uh, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Like, So I I can always... Go on. Because I like... I like to think in this day and age, he would have would have got the help he needed mm-hmm. and would have overcame this. I mean, it's hard to say because there's still cases of that where I mean, especially with alcohol. Oh no, for sure. Stuff, like you never. It still happens. But. Yeah. Uh, also, thing to know: seventy four, and this like that's also a little bit of a bigger gap between albums. Was he not? writing or not doing anything like what was happening in between no he was just too too fucked up with the depression Mm. just playing music by himself uh they said he'd just take the car until it ran out of gas and then he'd just call his parents really and like he was he was an sounds like a deep 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 depression that this did not there's also debates over whether he it was accidental or suicide. They mm-hmm. don't really know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's that is tough. Especially wait, what kind of you know I'm gonna Google that right now. What's the name of the medication? An anatryptyline. Uh, um but yeah, like I said, only sold four thousand albums total. In the 80s, he got a little bit of credit from like uh, Kate Bush, REM, The Cure would would name drop him. Does but he still wasn't. Their names, yeah. Yeah, he still wasn't like big, big. And then, uh, yeah, that, that Volkswagen commercial combined with a little something called Napster. Oh. Helped help propel weird. him. That's crazy how... It's literally just the wrong, not not the right technology that in his era, just not the right set of, of circumstances. Very specific. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. A commercial and Napster. That's very specific. And uh, those two things 
help cement him as, you know, one of the, one of the greats. Jesus Christ. What a tragic life. My God. Oh, I need to go outside more. Oh, we can't. That's right. Cause we're fucking quarantined. Yeah. Oh yeah. How convenient. Yep. Uh, so if this has inspired you to do things, I'm sorry, but you can't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the fucking world will look like by the time this releases, but probably not great, but still, uh, God damn. I just want to do things. <laughs> Say hi to people. Yeah. Right. Like I said, when this is all over, I'm going to, I'm going right. to hug. I'm going to hug everybody. I'm going to hug everybody. So, what was that? <laughs> uh, bone thugs. Cross. Oh, I'm going to hug everybody. Oh. I'm going to hug everybody. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. They say they're going to miss everybody. But uh, we're, we're going to do a little alteration of that because we're lonely and sad and life is hard. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, even though uh, that's going on in life and uh, I don't know the these albums are still kind of like a, a blanket in a way it's not a like a security blanket it's not like overtly ripping at your emotions no. it's more more comforting and I, I didn't find any of these to be depressing in any way um but then again i often really really like depressing music so uh, it's probably not the same case for everyone <laughs> dude man i fucking listen against the better the betterment of my own mental health to such horribly depressing albums during times of extreme anguish, just because I like the music so much. It just makes how many it times, how many times have you listened to that lingua ignota right now no in the past two, in the past two days, to be fair, I have not listened to lingua in a while. She just, she released a, a new song called, Oh, ruthless. Fuck. I already forgot. Um, I'm going to look it up right now, but she did release a new song. Um, and it's of course, perfect for quarantine and fucking depression depression and all that uh uh what is it called it's called oh ruthless great divine director of course it's called that because it's a lingua ignota but wonderful song i've i've not listened to her albums here it's not the right <laughs> time for that uh but you know what i'm actually glad that we were, we've been doing this because i've been forced to listen to the fucking beastie boys and nick drake and the horrible album that we have to horrible band we have to talk about next which i will not give away but <laughs> Let's just say we're not excited to do that. Uh, but yeah, I think normally I would have been excited to do that. But yeah. right now, when you when you feel trapped already and you have no, no options. Yeah, normally, you know, I would think of of ways I could could get under your skin. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. We will see. how. Oh, God damn it. But until then, let us do a quick recap because this was a very brief discography uh five leaves left 1969 best album personal favorite please everyone listen to that one uh or you know fucking listen to whatever man listen to all listen listen to everything with his name on it uh 1971 brighter later worst one just because it's uh you know you heard the episode you know i feel about it alex (laughs) uh worst album brighter later because it's this not what I want to hear when I listen to Nick Drake. Mm. Uh, best personal favorite, Pink Moon, a uh, fucking classic, flawless album in my book. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and watching. And please be cool. And I'll, I'm not gonna say that bullshit. Be safe. We all know we're trying to be safe. We're not all. We're not trying to not be safe. We all know this. Uh, just fucking be cool. Just be cool.
All right. That's my advice to everyone in the world. It's impossible to translate to someone who isn't cool. Just be cool, you know? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm rambling. I don't know why anybody hasn't stopped me yet. Uh, <laughs> hey, Andy, thank you for listening, of course. And uh, if you want to help us out, especially during this time where we can't do anything ourselves because we're useless and alone, uh, you know, tell a friend, share, please, for the love of God, please tell a friend, please. Or not. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, fucking YouTube, all the things that will help us out a whole bunch. And if you want to hear some of our favorite Nick Drake songs, you can just listen to all three albums because they're super short. Or listen to the <laughs> playlist that we put together on Spotify. There should be a link in the description of wherever you're listening and watching, as well as everyalbumever.com. Uh, oh, yeah. Instagram. Fucking whatever. Pope, for me, Pope Jesse Ventura and Pander Monkey, if you want to hear my music. And Alex. At Mother Puncture. Hell yeah. So, Alex, you're picking this last one. What are we doing? What are we What are we all going to listen to? God damn it. Y- y'all know what we're doing. Oh, we're going to do things behind the sun. God damn right. Because that, that was my gateway drug into, into Nick Drake. So. Hell yes. So once again, thank you so much for listening. See ya. Please beware them that stare and smile to see why you time away. Once you've seen what they've been to in the earth, just won't seem worth a night or a day. Oh yeah, what I say. Look around, you find the ground is not so far from where you are. Don't do. Down below they never grow, they're always tired and charms ahead from out of their eyes. Never a surprise. Take your time and you'll be fine. Say a prayer for people that live on the throne. And if you see what's meant to be done, name the day or try to say. You are beneath a star that came to say one rainy day No autumn for free Just be what you be
Sends you out into the 